later. Thank you again for being with us. If you have your Westover app, I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter number four. If you, uh, the Westover app will have our scriptures. If you have your own Bible, you can turn it on or open it up. And we're in a series for the Gospel of Mark we've entitled, Mark It Up. In other words, there is something God's calling us to a higher level, a next level. It's time to mark it up. It's time to go to a new level. This weekend, I want to speak on the subject storms, unexpected disruptions. You know when a storm comes, it kind of disrupts everything. The normal course of what you're doing, a hurricane, we in the in the Gulf Coast area, we know what hurricanes are, and they kind of they just disrupt what we were normally planning. Well, storms, storms speak of experiences that we're going through. And right now in COVID, this is a storm. It's disrupted everything. I, I, could, I could name this storm unexpected. You know, they name storms. They had Hurricane Harvey a few years ago, and uh, up to 1978, all hurricanes were female names, but after 1978, they're both male and female. We have hurricanes and hemicanes now, uh, so they get male and female names. But what we're going through in America right now, COVID-19, the disruption, the, the, the new, what we're calling the new normal, we've heard that so many times is an unexpected disruption. You're feeling it. I'm feeling it. It's, it's, the, it's the student that, that didn't have the graduation in their, their study courses or realigned. Instead of being an on-campus experience, they're reinventing and having an, an online experience. It's parents who, who have the child starting kindergarten for the very first time and it's not going to be in an in-class experience and a normal experience like kindergarten should be or has been in the past. It's going to be different, an unexpected disruption. Some of you were going to be at a family reunion this week. Others, you'd planned a cruise, and that's not happening. Others, you, you planned to buy a new house or do some remodeling, and all of those plans are put on the side. Why? Because of the storm called COVID, the unexpected Somebody has said in life, you're either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. And in life, frequently there are storms, there's these disruptions, there's these issues that come, these setbacks that come that we don't understand and we can't explain. We're in a storm right now. When the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, we're going to read the account of Jesus when his disciples were in a boat and they were on the Sea of Galilee. It's called a sea. It's a, it's a general terminology for a large body of water. It's actually a lake. And as they were going across the Lake of Galilee, a storm came that was threatening and treacherous. You see, just north of Galilee, I've been there before, is Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, its peaks is 9,200 feet above sea level. Most of the year you can see it, it's snow-capped. The, the, the weather on top of Mount Hermon, you go up in the mountains, you're looking for a coat or a jacket because it's cold. But you descend 
from 9,200 feet above sea level to the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, it's 600 plus feet below sea level. So there's a 10,000 foot elevation difference between the top of Mount Hermon and Galilee. And the cold weather on top of Mount Hermon and the, the weather, the hotter, uh, more arid weather around Galilee, that, that, that would mix together and it would spawn different storms. And, and that's exactly what happens in the text in which we're going to read. And the Bible says that Jesus with his disciples were going across the lake of Galilee and a storm comes. Now, these are seasoned sailors. And when seasoned sailors are afraid of the storm, you have a storm. Seasoned sailors saying, we're going to drown. We're not going to make it through this. And the Bible is going to tell us, we'll read it in a moment. They turn to Jesus and they awaken him. He was sleeping in the back of the boat. Through the storm, he's sleeping. The only place in the gospel that's recorded where Jesus sleeps, he's sleeping in a storm. Wow. What does that teach us? The things that terrify us don't bother God. The things that upset us, the things we're losing sleep over, the things that we're fearful over right now, what we're saying, God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. God, I don't know if I'm going to pull through. God, I don't know what's going on right now. God, it seems like my, my, my company is going to go under. My job is going to be lost. God, I don't know if I can make it through this. The things that terrify us, he's triumphant over. And they awaken Jesus, and that brings me to my text in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and following. Let's read. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Notice verse 36. There were also other boats with him. Did you ever notice that? There were other boats with him. I'll come back to that. Verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and he rebuked the winds and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The winds died down and it was completely calm. When he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now there's some events in this setting I want to draw to our attention, but to help illustrate it, I have some kids that are going to help me. So I'm going to ask the kids to go ahead and come out here, and I'm going to set the scene of the scripture that we just read. No, over here, please, on this side, right over here. Thank you very much. There you go. Uh, these right here, they're holding boats. These represent verse 36, and there were other boats with them. Now, let me set the scene. The Bible says that Jesus was teaching on the Sea of Galilee, and a crowd began to gather, and they were listening to him. As the crowd got bigger and bigger and bigger, and people were stopping, they were going about their business, and they would stop and listen to Jesus. They were right along the sh shoreline, and the line began to get bigger and bigger and wider and wider. So what does the Scripture say 
happened. Jesus got in a boat and he pushed away from the seashore just a little bit so he could get a, a broader perspective of the crowd that was on the seashore. Well, as he began to teach, he said in verse number 23 of this chapter, he that has an ear, let him hear. And apparently there were some that got in a boat and they got closer to Jesus. As he was out on the lake, they wanted to hear him. And Jesus was actually got on the lake so he could get a wider perspective. But they got in their boats to came out to get closer to hear what he was saying. Now, there's three groups of people here, three groups of people. There's what I'm going to call the fringe, the friendly, and the followers. The fringe, they were the people on the seashore, along the, the, the edge there. And, and they were mildly interested in they, they were walking about, and all of a sudden, curiously, they stopped, and some were there for a period of time and stopped for a little bit and went on. They were mildly interested you know, there are some people, they're on the fringe. They're mildly interested in God. They really don't read their Bible. They, they, they really don't study the things of God. They're really not engaged in church, but they, they, they have some mild interest. Ever so often, their, their thought life or their thinking or something happens, and occasionally they'll even, they'll even say they pray. They're mildly interested in God. They're on the fringe. They're the people on the edge of the seashore there, okay? But there were the others that were, I'm going to call them the friends. They got on the boats. They wanted to get a little closer. They're the seekers. They're seeking God out. They, they don't want to just hear some. They're, they say, I want to get closer, and I want to hear more of what God is doing. They begin to read Scripture. They, they begin a prayer light. They may join a Bible study group. They begin to listen to some stuff online. They're, they have an interest. They're a seeker, and they're in the other boats. And then there are the followers. Those are the disciples that are with Jesus in his boat. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that, that Jesus dismisses the crowd and he tells the disciples, the followers with him in his boat, let us go to the other side. And as they began to go to the other side, again, the weather changed from the top of Mount Hermon all the way down to the bottom of the Galilee, some 600 plus feet below sea level. A storm arose. And again, these are seasoned sailors with Jesus in the boat. Peter, he's a sailor. That's what, that's what his career was. That's what his vocation was. And they were crying out for fear. God, we're going to go under. Why? Because a storm came upon the lake. Now I need you begin to kind of make it a storm. Yeah, just we've got a storm going on. And the Bible tells us, verse 36, that the disciples cried out unto the Lord, we're going to perish. And there were other boats with them. Stay with me. I'm going to ask a rhetorical question, then I'm going to answer it. Why did Jesus not strengthen the boat they were in? Why did he calm the sea? Huh. You know, another time in the gospel records, the Bible says that there was a storm and that, is, like, that came upon the, the Lake of Galilee. The disciples were in a boat and Jesus came to them walking on the water. Peter said, uh, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And he steps out and he sinks and Jesus picks him up. And the Bible says in, in John chapter number six that when Jesus got in the boat, immediately they were on the other side. Huh. 
The moment Jesus got in the boat that time, the boat miraculously just whistled across the Sea of Galilee and was on the shore safely, but he doesn't do it this time. Why didn't Jesus strengthen the boat? Why did he calm the sea? It's found in verse 36, because there were other boats with them. Other boats with him. Thank you. You've done a great job. Thank you very much. Here it is. Let me share with you some insights for the storm. The first thing I want to share with you. God will help you in order to bless others. God will help you in order to bless others. Why did Jesus calm the storm? Because there were other boats with them. If he had just strengthened their boat, they would have drowned. But God will step into your life and God will help you in order so that you can help somebody else and bless them. You see, the Bible tells us in verse 38 of this, the disciples came to him and said, Lord, you better help us or we're going to drown. The we there is not the disciples in their own boat. The we is the disciples and all the other boats with them. And God is teaching us a lesson here. If you will look out for others, God will look out for you. If you will look out for others, God will look out for you. And the Bible says, the disciples said, Lord, help us. We are going to perish. And we is miracle territory with God. When we get our eyes off of ourselves, we off, often we pray, me, me, me. And God is saying, get it off of the me and get it on the we. We go to God and say, my name is Jimmy, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. And God is saying, the reason I don't bless you, James chapter 4, is because you pray prayers that just for your own benefit. But doesn't the Bible say, I can say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea? Yeah, but there's some widow woman living on that mountain. And you're concerned about it getting out of your way. And God's interested in that widow that's living on that mountain. But if you'll pray a prayer, God, help me so I can help others. When you open your heart to God, then God says, I will extend my hand of blessing in your life. If you want the hand of blessing in your life, begin to say, God, let me bless the other boats around me. You know, every one of us have other boats around us. It's your children. It's your grandchildren. It's your coworker. It's your employees. There are other boats around you. We often say, God helps those who help themselves. I would add to that, God helps those who are interested in helping other people. God will bless you to be a blessing. And when God wants us to be a blessing, there's just a couple thoughts let me share with you that have come out of my own pastoral and my own walk with God. My experience through the year is this, give more than is usual. If you're in a storm, give more than is usual. The disciples, their shifting was was changed in one moment because typically they always thought about themselves. But in this storm, they realized if we go under, the other boats go with us. And they prayed, Jesus, save us.
Jesus, if you don't step in, we are going to drown. And there's a moment in which God calls every one of us to just give more than normal in life, give more than the usual. Some of you are going to go out and eat this afternoon to a restaurant. Do you know right now during the COVID time that the wait staff, they're probably making half or third of what they used to make because of the restrictions of capacity of restaurants. In other words, you need to tip more to bless them. Denise and I went out the other day and we had soup. Uh, we sit down and just enjoyed a bowl of soup together. And when we were done, they brought the ticket. It was about $15, $16 I paid for it. We went to leave. We laid a $20 bill on the table for a tip, more than the whole ticket. And the guy said, oh, yeah, let me break this up for change. I said, no, it's yours. He said, are you sure? I said, absolutely. There's a moment in which you just need to give more than is usual. Generosity is not re-gifting. <laughs> no, it's not re-gifting. We want to re-gift. We want to take something we got for our birthday last year, that alarm clock we don't like, and give it to somebody else for their birthday or their anniversary. And you know what? It doesn't cost us anything. And God's calling us to a point if you're willing to bless and, and, and be a help to others, and it'll cost you something. God says, then I'll bless you. Twice in our life, Denise and I, God laid on our heart to give something. Now, I'm not telling you what you ought to do. I'm telling you what God spoke and put in our heart. There was a moment twice that God laid on our heart an amount we were to give in one offering. And that wasn't in the bank. It wasn't in the checking account and savings. Everything put together. And twice in our life, we've gone down to the bank and we borrowed money at the bank in order to give the amount God laid on our heart. I'm saying we believe that when you give to others, when you do the unusual, God does the miraculous. If you will open up and just say, God, I need you to do something beyond what I can ask or think, there'll be a moment God's going to ask something of you. Additionally, I share with you, not only give more than is usual, care more than is necessary. Care more than is necessary. Don't let all your prayers be about you. Don't let all the prayers be about for your job, your career, your family. Care for others during this time. The healthcare community has accentuated and given us a new understanding of the word care. They are on the front line. We're calling the front line people right now during COVID. They are, they are doing and going above and beyond the call of duty. And we need to care. Every Christ follower God has called us to be a caregiver. When COVID came about, we, we introduced something. We just called it Westover Cares. And we decided that during the season, we were just going to care and just bless and do our best. It's everything from the Children's Hunger Fund in which you brought boxes of food and we distributed to needy families in our community to serving at the San Antonio Food Bank. And, and we wrote a check for $11,000 to the San Antonio Food bank and we've asked people to go down there and serve till we got uh, 500 gift cards to restaurants and took them to two hospitals 250 here 250 there and we said just give it to your health care workers and you don't even have to tell them what church it comes from just we want them to know we care for them we just decided we're going to be in the business of caring and extending God's heart if you will care more than is necessary you're opening the door for for God to do something in your life. Thirdly, I add, 
30, I add to this, do more than is expected. Do more than is expected. I'm talking about being a servant. I'm just talking about just stepping out and saying, God, I'm going to do more. I'm going I'm to step up in an area. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I'm going to extend more. I'm not going to do the minimum. I'm not going to do the bare minimum in life. There is something, if you'll open your heart, if you'll say, God, I'm willing to care for somebody else, God's saying, then I'll make sure I care for you. There were other boats with them. Number two, I share with you from this setting, these scriptures, push back at the forces pushing against you. Push back against the forces that are pushing against you. This is found in verse 39. The Bible says that Jesus, when he awoke, he got up, he rebuked the winds, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. I want you to notice something in the verse there. He spoke to the wind and to the waves. He spoke to the wind and the waves. There's, there's two, two entities he spoke to, and there's two words he gave. He spoke to the to the wind, be quiet, and he spoke to the waves, be still. You need to push back against the forces pushing against you. Right now, there's just a preponderance of bad news. Have you found that to be true? I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I, I, the thing I'm trying to quarantine right now is the news from my life. I'm hearing so much bad news. I mean, the news can take one moment, and time they interview six people on it, uh, it, it sounds so bad. You know, if you, 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 you feel like, you know, if, if, you even, if you even have a scratchy throat, you, you, you have five of the symptoms right there. I said, you know, Denise, this morning my throat was scratchy. You know, my goodness. I, and they interview and they interview and they give you bad news and bad news. I, I just had to kind of quarantine. There's just so much of that I can stand. And I just decided I'm going to push back against the forces pushing against me that I begin to hear the news. I'm talking to the TV right now. I'm saying, you know what? Virus, I pray against you in the name of Jesus. Be driven from our land. I'm cursing the curse that is upon our land now. I'm not sitting on the sideline and just letting it happen. Every report, every time I hear something that's negative or ominous or foreboding, I'm saying, God, in Jesus' name, overcome it in such a way that people will see it's the hand of God at work. I received a communication this past week. Our mayor is saying, we want to pastors and the churches of San Antonio to pray that God would rid this land of this dreaded diseases. All of a sudden, those who were saying uh, across America from the, the liberal and the agnostic saying, we don't want prayer out there. Everybody is saying, pray for me right now. The name of God is being lifted up in America like never before. Push back against the forces pushing against you. Those that are online, push back. Just declare in the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, push it back out of our land. And number three, I share with you, God's peace, it outmatches your problem. I don't know how big your problem is now, but God's peace outmatches it. God's peace can match every challenge discouragement, setback, 
God can outmatch everything that's coming against you. The Bible says here in verse 39, the winds died down and it became completely calm. Hmm. I was preparing this message and as I often do when I'm preparing a message, I read the scripture over and over again and then I begin to go in the original language in the New Testament, the original language is Greek. So I began to look at almost every word and every verse in the Greek just to help me lean into the understanding of what scripture is saying. And I got down to verse 39, the last word there, calm. And the storm became completely calm. And I discovered something I never knew. The Greek word translated in our Bible in verse 39, calm, is only found one time in the Bible, right here. One time in the Bible. Yeah, and other po- moments when, when there was a riot and uprising and, and it says, and they calmed them down. It's not this word. When, when, the, when there was a furious storm and Jesus would give teaching of about the house built upon the rock and he would describe, never again will he use this word, but he uses this word here. It's, it's used one time in the Bible and it's not found anywhere else in the Bible. The word is reserved for this storm. What does that mean? That means God has peace that is tailor-made for the crisis you're going through. God has peace that is tailor-made for the single parent and the challenges you're facing. God has peace that is tailor-made for the business person and what he's encountering in the economy of his business. God has peace for the family that's having to office and work out of their house and has brought new stress to the home. God has peace just made for you. God has peace for the student that doesn't know what their career path is going to be like. God has peace for those who are facing financial challenge when one of the wage earners in the home has been furloughed and you're saying, how are we going to make this? How are we going to pull through this? God has peace that is tailor-made for what you're going through. God has a calm that can come in amid all the stress and the worries and the concerns of life. God has a peace for you today. And in just a moment, the worship team's going to come out. They're going to lead us in a moment of praise and worship. And for some of us, worship, your worship is going to be pushing back against the forces that have been pushing against you. You came in beat up and discouraged. You came in just saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're going to begin to declare in faith. You're going to begin to speak in confidence in your worship. And for some of us, as we worship, a spirit of peace is going to descend upon you. And the things that were such a turmoil, a storm on the inside, that have kept you in sleepless nights, 
have kept you frantically worrying how you're going to make ends meet. A divine confidence from God is going to come upon you. And you're going to walk out and you're going to say, God's in control. (laughs) God's in control. God's in control. I'm not going to go under. I may have trembled on the rock, but the rock is not going to tremble under me. I know God is in charge of my life. He's going to give you the peace that you need for the Lord. You see, if I have a checking account and I'm $200 overdrawn and you give me $35, thank you, but I'm still, I'm still in the red. You say, well, I'll give you $100. Thank you, but I'm still $100 in the deficit in the red. $100 helps, but it doesn't get me out of the red. I'm still in the red. You get me $199. Thank you, but I'm still in the red. But if you give me $201, not only am I no longer in the deficit, I'm now in the surplus. And God has peace that can take you into the surplus. He doesn't gonna get, he's not going to give you peace just to get you through the afternoon. He's not going to give you peace just to get you through the end of the month. He's going to give you peace that's going to give you to the end of the age. Amen. He's a peace that will take you all the way to heaven. God's in the business of that. So I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. Put your Bible down, your electronic device down. And I'm going to invite you to lift your hearts and your hands right now across this auditorium. Some of you, you need to just push back against the forces that have been pushing against you. You've read so many articles of what could go wrong. You're a walking, you're a walking encyclopedia of all the negative. You need God's peace to speak into your heart. You, you, you need some faith. You need God to deposit some faith and get you out of the deficit ca- category. And for some of us, our hearts are so heavy. And God's going to bring peace. If you're in the online community, just begin to type in peace. Peace, peace, peace. COVID is a five-letter acronym, but peace is a five-letter word that overrides everything that comes against us. Oh, Jesus, right now, bring peace into this auditorium. Pastor Lindsay, lead us in the presence of the Lord.